We're in Acts 29, part three this week. It's the last in our Acts series. And we've been going through this series in Acts forever, right? We've been going through this series in Acts since the beginning of last year. And it's been great. And we finished the book and we carried on with this Acts 29, because there's only 28 chapters. That's us in the here and now, not just a bunch of heresy and a new chapter I made up. It's Acts in the here and now, living Acts today and taking three mega lessons that we can learn. We've looked at in our lives today, would it be spirit-powered would it be gospel revealing? That's what we looked at last week. And today is kingdom focused. You could also say as well, like king focused and kingdom focused. You'll, you'll see that as we go through. Now, if you've been around church for any length of time, you'll have heard probably at different times this word kingdom like bounded about and depends maybe your traditions and stuff. Kingdom comes out in different ways and sometimes it can just be like this thing that's sat there in the background and it's just like oh yeah kingdom of god that's where, where i go when i die or something along those lines and it's that that i my prayer for us today is that we almost see the kingdom in a fresh technicolor today we see the kingdom and its reality in the here and now in a new way and um that we're all taken to a new place of clarity in the kingdom and living in the kingdom. And in some ways it is, it is this amazing picture that can frame much of our Christian walk. So for many people, you know, Christianity, it's just, it's just a religion, right? It's a religion, it's a set of beliefs, it's a belief system. And whilst that is core to Christianity, right? It is core, but the core beliefs, the doctrines of the faith, there's more. You see, just like my understanding of the United Kingdom, where I'm from, the United Kingdom. It, in some ways, it is about the culture and the, the, the history, the, the thought behind what it is. The things I know I have as a citizen of that country, the thoughts of that, I do actually literally have rights as a citizen of that country. That, that country as well doesn't just exist in thought. It's not a concept, okay? Whilst we can think about it, and it does exist in our minds, right? It is actually... A place. The United Kingdom is a place. You can go there. It's a real place. It's the same with the kingdom. Slightly different way, but it's the same with the kingdom. It's real. It's tangible. It's not an analogy. It's not a little picture. It's real. It's that reality of the kingdom that I want to be looking at today, drawing out of us, encouraging you guys. I find it very exciting. Very exciting that the kingdom of God, as we hear about it spoken and King Jesus, it's not just a picture or some concept, but it is a real kingdom that has been established. It says it in Daniel, that his kingdom would be established and it would fill the whole earth. I want to remind us as we finish this Acts series and as we finish this kind of Acts 29, part one, two, and three, that we serve a king that we serve a king and a kingdom that is real, that is eternal and that is here right now, that's here right now. So what's this kingdom? What is this kingdom I'm speaking about? Well, the word kingdom, it literally means the dominion of the king. That's what it means, the dominion of the king, the area in which the rule and the reign and the law and the authority of that king is. It's all about the king. It's all about Jesus. And see, the thing is, sometimes we can do that. I know I did it when I remember first like learning about the kingdom years 
years back, I got so excited about the kingdom, I forgot about the king. But you can never forget about the king. You've got to focus on the king. It's what it's all about. You see, without Jesus, without the focus on Jesus, without the king, it's just a dom. And dom never did anything for anybody, although I'm sure he's a nice guy. No domain, right? It's just a domain. These guys in Acts, they are focused in the kingdom. They're focused on the king, though. They're focused on the king. That they were Jesus-focused, these guys, weren't they? They had their face looking at Jesus. And because they were Jesus-focused, it meant they were king-focused. And because they were king-focused, it meant their lives revealed the kingdom. They were about his business, the business of the king, as his ambassadors here on the planet. And actually, the kingdom came. The kingdom was revealed. It's part of one of the most famous prayers of Christianity. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's one of the core things that we're to be doing as his followers, revealing the kingdom and bringing the kingdom into the world. You know, when uh, Jesus healed somebody, right? Remember when Jesus would heal someone, he would say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. And that same mission of bringing the kingdom of God into the world, it's the same mission that Jesus had. It's the same mission we have. When he sent his disciples out, remember we looked at that verse Matthew 10 last week, and he sends his disciples out, and remember, go heal the sick, cleanse the leper. But before that, he says, go and tell people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely if you received, now freely give. It's our mandate. It's all about the king. It's all about the king. You know, as a church, sometimes the things of the kingdom, we get so excited about, hey, we want to reveal, we want this stuff to happen. But actually as a church, we won't see the kingdom come in that way that Christ asks us to pray for, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. We're not going to see the kingdom come if we make anything else king. Jesus has to be the king. You know, if we make community king, I'm talking about us as a church family, if we make community king, and community is an awesome thing, but if we pursue community above the king, we're not going to see the kingdom. If we pursue a building or we make a building king, buildings are great. I love buildings. They're beautiful. They're useful, right? We'd love a building. But if we make a building king, if we make our church statistics king, the numbers, bums on seats, the income, if we make anything else king besides the king, then the revealing of the kingdom is just going to be to a lesser extent. It's not going to be the fullness that God has intended for it to be revealed through his church. Matthew 6, 33 says, doesn't it? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All the stuff, personal life as well, but it's important for church too. All the stuff, that stuff comes. You know, what does it look like? What does this look like? And I think if you're like getting it down into one thing, it is a church family that is pursuing him pursuing his presence above all else the presence of the king because when you're in the presence of the king you're in the presence of you're, you're in the very heart of the kingdom being in the courts of the king being in the company of the king seek his righteousness whose righteousness jesus 
Jesus's righteousness, his victory that he's won for us on the cross is all about him. It's all about him. It always has been and it always will be. And that, you know, that's awesome and exciting that we don't have to work all this stuff out. It's just this abandoned heart pursuit of him, the king. You know, my heart for us guys is that we are a church and we're, grow- we're going to grow in this, but that we're a church pursuing him first, pursuing his presence first. That's what we've been speaking about as well. It's that kind of our theme for the year, really. It's just burning in my heart that we'd be pursuing his presence first, that we'd be a king-focused church. Just like we see in the believers in Acts, that these guys are focused on the king and that from him, from the king, his rule flows through our lives. His rule flows from us into the world. His reign and dominion flows into the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, spirit-powered lives? Through the power of the Spirit out into our worlds and into our communities. And when that happens, we see the kingdom manifest. It's not necessarily the kingdom, but it is the manifest. The kingdom is drawn near and it is caused an impact. It's caused a change to that situation. All the stuff that we want to see, you know, the building, sure, it'd be good to get more money and it'd be great to have, we want to see more people coming, right? We want to see people saved. We want to see all these things. Maybe there are some other things in your life, right? Not church related, that you could end up getting, finding yourself, you're pursuing that above the king. But you know what? The thing that's awesome, it doesn't say, look, pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then when you've done that, turn and pursue the other stuff. It doesn't actually say that. It says, first, pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, all the stuff will be added to you. You know, he's promised that as we seek him, kingdom of God and his righteousness, all this stuff will be added to us. We don't need to go spend our time looking for it secondary. It's not, okay, tick, we've pursued the kingdom. Now let's just live our life pursuing him, pursuing the king. So manifesting the kingdom is this task that's set before us. Remember that verse I just mentioned in Matthew 10, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the leper. We've read in other areas, go out, live lives worthy of your calling, live lives that you've been worthy, that you've been called to. Go around like Jesus did, doing good. Jesus, it says, we read that verse last week, Jesus went around doing good and doing supernatural things, but doing good. The description of the church in the Bible is one of being this offensive force towards the dominion of darkness. Some of the pictures, which I'll show in a minute, they're offensive, not like offending, but offensive as in attacking kind of pictures. You know, often we have the picture of the church as this kind of meek and mild, turn the other cheek group of people, which we 100% are, you know, because there's, there's great things in that, you know, and it's right to be when you're considering other humans, when you're considering other people, right? when you're considering how you react to someone in total love, understanding maybe they, that they, they don't know quite what they're doing. But... You know, that's because we're not called into a war against flesh and blood. Remember that verse? We're not called into war against flesh and blood, but we're called into a war against powers and principalities. Not called to war against people, but we're called to war against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. I grew up in 
in some more traditional things where sometimes in, in my upbringing that things maybe were a bit despiritualized where oh well no there is there is an enemy but he doesn't really impact you you know if we if we despiritualize too much then we can end up doing the enemy's job for him when we think he doesn't exist and one of the most dangerous kind of enemies is one that we don't think is actually there and I'm not advocating seeing a demon around every single corner or blaming every single thing on the devil. It's, like, it's the devil, it's the devil, you know. Sometimes it's actually you just made some really bad decisions, you know. But he is real. The enemy is real. There is, a, there is a war. There is a dominion of darkness that has been defeated, but we need to be aware of it. Jesus speaking to Peter about the church and the church walking out on the earth. He says this in Matthew 16, 18. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we can be like, actually, the, the pitch the other way around. We can think of it like that. It's like, oh, there's me and my Christian like, gate here and the enemy's attacking and it's like oh get back get back but actually the picture Jesus points there is this defeated enemy that's on the run that's come back and closed the gates and the gates are being sacked by the church the gates are being sacked by the kingdom of light by the kingdom of God it's not a picture of darkness assaulting the church it's a picture of the church the people of God going into and plundering the very gates of hell and overcoming it, right? There's no doubt of overcoming it, that you will overcome because they will not overcome. And why is that? Not because you're so holy or so great or that you're so, you know, super spiritual, but it's because he has already overcome, like, like we sang about, right? that he has won the victory. Our king, our king, who has already won the victory. Romans 13, 12 says this, it says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. It's a good picture of how things exist here, how things can exist in, in the world. Because here in our world, the fullness of the kingdom in isolation has come, can be here. We can see that. But we're in those dawn moments where darkness and light can live side by side where the, the light of the sun is rising and there's no shadow of a doubt that that darkness is going to be boom, swept aside. But it is a time, and this is that verse speaks of this, to put on the armor of light. It's not, okay, actually just chill out and rest. Put on the armor of light. You could have used any picture, but he said put on the armor of light. That there is a kind of fight. There is a kind of conflict. That's the picture. Kingdom life then is a life understanding like a Roman soldier because it's not like knights in shining armor because they didn't exist then it's a Roman armor it's a Roman soldier it's they always had stuff on the front never behind because you can't as a Roman soldier they were never allowed to run never allowed to turn back so the armor's always on the front always facing always going forward it's the kingdom life is a life called to expand the kingdom bringing the culture of kingdom, bringing the rule of the king over these powers and principalities. And I say again, remember, it's not violence or derision or anything like that against people. It's not going in and judging people. And it's against powers and principalities, against all the works of the enemy, all the works of the enemy, laying waste to them. 
You know, God never intended us to live a life where we put up with and we tolerated and we lived alongside the works of darkness, lived alongside the dominion of darkness. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent us out. He wouldn't have sent us out to destroy the works of the enemy. You know, there's no politics of tolerance between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, between the kingdom of heaven and, and the dominion of darkness. Jesus, what did he come for? He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the destroyer, to destroy the dominion of darkness, to knock down its gates, to plunder it, to bring people back to himself, to bring people into a fullness of life, a fullness of life that we have when he is our king, we dwell in the kingdom. And we touched on it as well last week about being ambassadors. You guys were ambassadors. If you're in Christ, if you're in the kingdom, you are here on earth, ambassadors of that kingdom to declare and demonstrate the goodness of God. You know, when we live like that, when we live like ambassadors, remembering we are in the world, but not of the world. Like an ambassador is of a country, isn't he? He's in that country, but he's not of that country. When we live like that, it's amazing what can happen. The kingdom comes. There's this interesting verse. The kingdom is so good. That's why I want to share this verse. The kingdom is so good, it's not about bending people's arms to get them to believe in some religion. It's about showing the goodness of God. And they're like, well, we want in. We want in that they, sh they should be rushing at us. This verse, Matthew eleven twelve 12b says, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Other translations say, and violent people are laying hold of it. It's basically a picture of the kingdom of heaven advancing on the earth, it's growing, okay? It's growing on the earth. And it's this, this, that second part, violent people are attacking it, violent people are laying hold of it by force. It's this thing of like sacking a city, taking all the good stuff from a city. It's this image of a crowd that just, you know, sometimes where, there's, where we see famine and things like that, and the food truck comes in and there's a big crowd and they all surge forwards because there's life in the, in the truck. There's life in the water on the back of the truck. There's life in, in the grain. It's like that. That's the picture that's here is the kingdom of God is so awesome. People are rushing towards it. And when people see the goodness of God, they rush towards it. They're like, I can't, I just, I, I don't want anything else. I just want that. I just want that king. That's a picture in Acts. The church in Acts grows from this, in, a, in the space of about 300 years, it goes from just this small group of people to being over half of the Roman Empire, which was the known world at the time. Like, it's just amazing. That's the picture in Acts. The Acts church. That what Jesus did that what Jesus spoke about and did, he continued to do in Acts and he continues to do today. That's our call, to be ambassadors of the kingdom, to be living here in the world, to be sharing the gospel, revealing the gospel. And then it's so good. It's so good that people see it and say, I want that, I need that. That's why we pray your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. That's why we're to walk in and by the power of the Spirit to manifest that kingdom here on the earth, destroying the works of the enemy, the one who makes everything rubbish. 
one who makes everything heartbreaking and terrible. You may say, okay, James, how does that work? Where does my authority come from? How do I have authority to go out and step out against, I can shout at people, but I'm not very good at doing stuff against these powers and principalities. How does that work? I'm gonna read you this verse. Matthew 28, 18 and 19a, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Remember last week we, we said about Jesus sends these guys out in authority. I think an interesting one is God can't get given authority, right? God is all authority. He's total authority. Jesus said this. Jesus is 100% man. 100% God. Jesus, though, didn't say this as God. He said this as a man. He said it as our elder brother, the son of man. And that is significant. It's so significant for us to know that we have the authority to step out in this because man hasn't always had authority on the earth. Man hasn't always had the authority on the earth. You know, at the beginning, we had authority on the earth, an authority that had been given to us by God, but we lost it. We gave it away. Who do we give it to? Who do we give our, our God-given authority to? Let's read a little section where Jesus goes to the desert and he's tempted by the devil. In Luke 4, 5 and 6, it says this. The devil led him up to a high place and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority, all the authority of man, right? All the authority of the kingdoms of the earth. I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. Well, God didn't give it to him, right? It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. I can give it to anyone I want to. And Jesus doesn't call him out as a liar, right? We gave it away. We gave it away in the garden. And there in the garden, right back at the beginning, that's a whole problem, right? That's a whole issue. God speaks about the restoration of all things back in the garden. And he tells the kind of the, the gospel seed, and he says about there's a seed will come from a woman that will crush the head and the works of Satan. And that's Jesus. It's the heart of the gospel that Jesus, God the Son, God the Son, the Son of Man, comes to earth as a man, doesn't he? He lives the perfect life. He lives the perfect life that no man, no human ever could. And he dies totally innocent before God on a cross, taking upon himself all of our sin, everything you have ever done, everything that you ever will do, that means that you are in legal debt to God, this legal penalty over sin. He takes that upon himself and God pours his wrath on him in judgment over that sin. He pays the price. So our sin is dealt with so that we don't step into the presence of God as a guilty person, completely struck down, but he gives us his righteousness, his right standing with God, that we can step into the presence of God because we're pure, we're washed completely clean. When God sees us, he sees not just some guy who's come to zero, but actually some guy who's gone to millions and millions, right? That we've got the righteousness of Christ. That we've been transferred as well. Not just kind of, hey, that's great. You're kind of okay with me now. Wait till you die and then let's chat. It is this thing of 
you have now been transferred from the dominion of darkness. You've been made into a new creation and brought into the kingdom of the beloved son. Satan is completely defeated. The accuser who, and this is what he does, gets you to sin and then stands in front of God legally, and he can, saying, look what they've done. Look what they've done. You must punish them. You must judge them. That's the picture, one of the pictures we get from the Bible of the accuser, Satan standing before the father, accusing us and legally and rightfully accusing us because we have sinned. He has been shamed. He has been completely shamed. And we've been declared righteous and free before the Father. Where God says, no, no, no. He's pure. He's perfect. He's spotless. She's pure. She's perfect. She's spotless. Our elder brother, Jesus, gets the keys back. You know, He gets back all authority. It is in him and because of him, the king, the king that we can walk with this authority as people. The authority he sends us out in. The authority of the king to bring the rule of the king and that authority of the king into the world. He says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to Jesus. Man's been given authority back, right? Man's been given it back, therefore go, go. Destroy the works of the one who stole so much. Destroy the works of the one who brought sickness and disease and brokenness. Bring goodness and light and healing and wholeness. That full gospel life we spoke about last week. You know, how often do we get worried about an enemy who has literally no authority in your life? Literally none. He has no authority to mess it up. He will try, but he has no authority to mess it up. How worried and can we get by the one who has been crushed and had all authority taken from him? James 4, 7, one of my earlier works, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is a mode of our combat, guys. This is a mode of our fighting. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. By the way, when I speak about, you know, battle against powers and principalities, I don't mean standing up and raging around and shouting and running around the street, shouting at people and casting stuff off. Sometimes there's a place for that. But there's a great picture. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, the devil will only make a mess in, in your life or th through you or through somebody else into your life if he gets authority to do that and he only gets authority if we agree to give him that authority as a temporal kind of situation see the devil only gets authority through agreement resist him don't agree with him don't agree with him it's how we cause the fall of man but it's also how he works today how he ruins lives today the liar the deceiver and it's only when we agree with him that he actually has a power Many times, actually, lots of people or lots of stuff's going on in the world, and it's not Satan doing the stuff. It's people coming into agreement and agreeing with him and then just running that path out, doing the stuff themselves, doing things themselves, following the path of the thing that they came into agreement with. If you think about anger, you get angry and you, you take anger on board, that can lead down to so many chain events that you begin to run down. Satan's like, whoa, let, let me catch up with you. It's interesting to watch. And you just, boom, off with it. Unhealthy dissatisfaction. You know, maybe in a spouse or something like that. 
not okay. You know, that kind of whispering, that lie. Unforgiveness, pride, revenge, selfishness, gossip. The list just goes on and on and on and on and on. See, when we agree with the dominion of darkness, it sets us on a natural path to bad things, a natural path to destruction. In the words of the very famous theologian, Yoda, you guys may have seen one of his films, he says, fear is the path of the dark side. Don't worry, I'm not a Jedi. Fear is the path of the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering, right? That there's so much wisdom in that little movie quote that actually you take one thing. Maybe you get afraid by some, that you, you fear one thing and so then you begin to get angry because you resent it and then it just goes and goes and it spirals down and down and you just follow that path into suffering. Suffering for you often, suffering for others. Don't agree with the enemy. Take every single thought captive. Jesus said, remember, he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. It's almost like saying, hey guys, the job that I have, apart from dying for your sins, the job that I have here in the earth, you have. We have authority because Jesus has been given all authority to see the kingdom advance. And also we've got a mandate to do it. He asked us to do it. It's not just like, hey, maybe we could do that. It's like, no, we really can. He asked us to. He sent us out to do it. In the kingdom, I want to speak a little bit about kingdom atmosphere. I don't know a better way to describe it, but kingdom atmosphere, what the kingdom is like. In the kingdom, there is no darkness. In the kingdom, there is no blindness. There is no sickness. There is no fear. There is no dark things. See, when the rule of King Jesus comes, when the kingdom comes into a space, blind eyes are opened, the sick are healed, the lame walk. Hope and faith replace fear. When it comes to the supernatural side of things, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like we've spoken about uh, kind of over the past couple of weeks, I want to challenge your thinking in one area particularly. And also, I understand if maybe some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the King, the Kingdom, if this is new stuff to you and you're even struggling to get your head around that, I get maybe what what I share now is a hard thing to get your head around. But you know, if you are here and you're like, yeah, Jesus is the King, and I totally get the Kingdom, the thing I want to challenge you about the supernatural and the gifts of the Spirit is that In the kingdom, which is, remember, who we represent, the thing that we live in and take into the world, that kind of atmosphere, that kingdom we dwell in, in the kingdom, it isn't supernatural, it's natural. In the kingdom, it isn't supernatural, it's natural. It's only supernatural if you look at it with the eyes of, from an earthly, non-kingdom perspective. See, it's unnatural, it's not normal in the kingdom to have brokenness to have disease and all those things. That's why when a blind eye comes into the presence of the king, comes into the presence of the kingdom, comes into that king's dominion, even if the natural laws of the world and physics and all that stuff, even if they need to shift and change and be broken so that the king's law will be upheld, so that the kingdom will be upheld, then it will. 
then it completely will. You know, it doesn't make sense. We saw that leg grow out a couple of weeks ago. That makes no sense. It's not normal, but it's totally normal in the kingdom. It would be very, un, it would just be not normal if the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, if when sickness is brought into his presence, it isn't completely destroyed. So that reframes our whole approach and our, our mindset, I think, to praying. It's a challenge, right? It's a challenge. Nothing on earth is impossible if it's being called to get in line with the king, with the king's dominion coming into a place. Romans 14, 17. What's the kingdom? It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in, in the Holy Spirit. So I'll hold that one in mind. I'm going to read another one. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say see here or see there for indeed the kingdom of God is within you the kingdom of God is that fullness of the Holy Spirit a relationship with God Almighty within you remember we are the temple of the Holy Spirit the throne of God the throne of the King here upon the earth see we manifest the kingdom we are ambassadors of the kingdom we manifest the kingdom and show the world what the kingdom of God is like, what it's like. So I encourage you guys, dare to make yourself available. Dare to make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom of God into your situation, through you and through your lives. And so we've got these Pharisees there and they're saying, hey, when's the kingdom of God coming? And they're looking for this physical kingdom, literally a kingdom that's going to come down and kick out the Romans. It's going to be set against their opposition. That's what they're looking for. But that's not it. It's a kingdom in a people. It's the reign of a king in a people and flowing through their lives. Can you guys see that over these weeks it's a poor picture, like a see through a, you know, a condensation on a, on a window? but it's these different strands that we've been looking at over the past weeks. Spiritual gifts, spirit power, this fullness of life in the gospel, which isn't just getting to heaven, but it's salvation and it's healing and it's this fullness and wholeness of life. And then this kingdom focus, being focused on the king, being focused on the king, bringing the rule and reign of God to the earth to set things straight. It's so complete. It's so beautiful, this, this thing that we've come into. Not a religion. Not a religion. But it's a relationship with the King of glory, with God Almighty, and this amazing life that we're called to live into. Seeing the kingdom of God manifest through your life, you know, it's not, some of it's really cool, right? Some of it's really cool. I mean, it's all really cool, but some of it's just like, well, that was so strange and cool and amazing. But it's not about people saying that. It's not about people kind of looking at you and being like, wow, how did you do that? 
And I, for, for years when I was younger, teenager, you know, that's what I was wanting. That's what I was looking for. You know, wow, do this stuff, do that, do those things. And I never got the most important thing that it's all about the king. It's all about the king. It's all about the king. So when we do, when we do these things, whatever it is, supernatural, natural, you know, and we're revealing the kingdom, we're always pointing people, no, no, look at the king, look at the king. At the beginning of all things and at the end of all things, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It always has and it always will be. And it's all about him getting the glory. It's all about the king. It's all about the king. You know, Jesus is alive today. And he's here right now by his spirit. And as we sung earlier, he, he is seated right now on a throne in heaven. Get your head around that. Get your head around that. He is the king of glory. The king of glory. He's our king. The king who died for us. I'm going to read you a, a little section from Revelation. And this is John writing. John is best mate. Okay, best mate on the earth. One of his inner three. It says this, Revelation 1, 12 to 18. And it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword." His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Amazing. Guys, when you think about Jesus, when you think about, when you think about praying and you're, you're praying to Jesus, do you think about a first century guy wearing kind of some, like, oh, some, I don't know, some like over smock kind of thing, you know, riding around on a donkey occasionally, things like that. Do you think of him or do you think of the risen son? Do you think of what he's like today, right now today? seated on a throne in heaven so glorious that his best friend John his best friend John who when he came in contact with him fell down at his feet as though dead the glory was so much no he falls at his feet he just can't take it John who spent the most time in Jesus's presence when he's on the earth he encounters the glory and the power and the wonder and the majesty of the risen Christ and he just he just collapses he just can't take it do we realize the power and the beauty and the splendor of the king that is behind those words all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go therefore go that's the king guys that's our king it's his kingdom that we're speaking about it's that kingdom that we have been given the authority to walk out in and announce and demonstrate. You know, when you think of that, what kind of darkness can stand in the way of that? What kind of challenge can stand in the way of that king? Don't reduce him. 
Don't believe the lie that maybe he can't. Oh, he can. He so can. See, as a church living out this Acts lifestyle, this Acts 29, continuing to live like that, we need to be kingdom focused. And at the heart of that is people on their knees, king focused, looking at Jesus Christ, the risen king, the king of glory. He is the king. He is the alpha and the omega. They're before the beginning, right? They're before the beginning, before the beginning of the world. He is the beginning. He is the end. He's the first and the last. It all starts with him. It all ends with him. You know, we can only live our Christian life because of him. Everything we sing about and praise, all the, all the joy that we have, the hope that we've got is all because of him. And actually the only motivation we've got to live this life is for him. It's for him to bring him glory, that his kingdom would be revealed. It's only because of him that we have a hope of glory, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And our ch the chief end of us, the, the great goal of us is that he would be glorified, right? That's the, the reason of our being, the reason of our lives. It's all because of him and it's all for him. So guys, let's authentically be king focused, really king focused. I said a while back, it would make, when we were really running out of money, I said it makes, it makes it silly for me if I work for the Queen of England to say, I'm a little bit nervous that she's not going to pay me. She's not going to sort out the bill. How much more ridiculous when you see that Jesus, that king, is it to be like, mm, maybe he won't come through. Maybe he won't come through provision. He's the king. He's the king. The abundance of his riches, like, money don't, don't even think goes into his riches, you know? It's just some sideline thing. Like Jess said earlier, how can finances have a sting? My heart is that we would live authentically king-focused in our words and also in our deeds, in our actions. That we would be this church living this king-focused life of acts. We serve a king. It's not a picture, it's a reality. It's not a metaphor, it's a reality. It's not worshiping some religious figure from a long time ago who's currently dead and buried in the ground somewhere, no. It's not living a life under condemnation, under rules and regulation and religion that you've got to do this to earn God's approval, no. But serving a king who is alive today, seated on a throne in heaven and calls you his ambassadors in the earth to bring his kingdom and his light to push back the dominion of darkness that he would work through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's continuing to do today. And as we do that, as we live out that kingdom life, we'd always be pointing. It's not me, it's him. It's not me, it's him. It's not me, it's him. Why? Why? It's because he loves you. It's because he loves you. And I think in that place where we see that violent people take hold of the kingdom, when people see that, they're like, I've got to have this thing. They chase you down. They ring you in the middle of the night. Like, what is it? I need to know this. I need to have it. Even in the natural things, like we spoke last week, generosity. As you give outrageously, you share words of encouragement with people. Give Christ the glory. People go, but what is this thing? When we may... Be nervous to step out. Pray for people. Take a risk. Maybe we feel it's a risk. Focus on the king. 
because it's all because of him. But more than that, it's all for him. It's all for him, not for you and your glory. But will you risk seem, seeming foolish? Will you risk getting it not quite right? Will you risk nothing happening? Step out and pray for someone because you want to see him glorified. You want him to get the glory. You want him to get the fullness of the reward that he so deserves. You want to see the kingdom come because in the coming of the kingdom, the king gets the glory. And the kingdom is here, isn't it? The kingdom is within each and every one of you by the Holy Spirit. The dominion of King Jesus is at hand. And his kingdom is right here, coming into the world through his people. It's a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of righteousness, where you can stand before God completely blameless. It's a kingdom of peace, where into the darkness and into the turmoil, you can bring peace into that place. It's a kingdom of joy, which is where there are tears and there is brokenness. You can bring the joy and the laughter of the kingdom. There's so much wrapped up in those words. But, you know, remember the guy we looked at last week who's lame and crippled and Jesus, Jesus sets him free from his sins. He heals him of his, his lameness. He gets up and he walks. And we spoke about his whole life being renewed. There, think how much joy there is in that, how much peace there is in that, how much righteousness there is in that. It's incredible. Go out, let your light shine before you. Let your joy shine before you. Do good deeds. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Cast out demons. And if you ever, for some reason, come into a situation where you're in a situation and there's a demon, have no fear, for you have such authority. You have such authority. Guys, as we end now, are you ready to go out and live this kingdom-focused, king-uplifting life of acts? My prayer is all the different stuff that we've learned through this series over the last year would send us not just like, oh, that's good, but eject us forward into the coming months, into the coming year, living spirit-powered, gospel-revealing, and king and kingdom-focused lives. There may be some stuff through that that you want to just pray, pray to God, engage with God on. If you're here today or you're listening to the podcast I, I just want to I want to invite you to follow Jesus today I want to invite you to make Jesus your king today maybe you walked away from him maybe you've never even heard of him right maybe today this is the first time hearing about him my encouragement is make him your king today make him your king if you want to do that if you want to start that journey in relationship with God just pray this after me. If you, if you see that you're a sinner and that in your heart, faith has risen that, hey, he has set me free. He's paid for my sin. If you want that, just let me pray. Pray this after me. Dear Lord, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for paying for my sin which I could never pay for. So I could be right before you. That I could have the righteousness of Christ before you. Thank you for taking away my sin. 
I choose to follow you today. I choose to make you my Lord and my King today, Jesus. Fill me, I pray. In your name. Amen. Guys, if you prayed that today, please come tell me afterwards, speak to me afterwards. If you're on the podcast, send us a a message via the website. We'd love to hear from you, love to encourage you. Guys, if you've been listening today and your heart has been stirred by this very, very real life in the kingdom, this very real life in the kingdom that manifests through your life to reveal the kingdom of God into the world, if that is you, and you today are like, "Eh, yeah, I've known about it, but I really want to live in that. I really want to live in that. And I just want to remind you, it's nothing that you've got to earn. You don't have to be good enough for anything. You don't have to be super spiritual. And then God says, hey, you can do this stuff. No, this is, if you're in him, this is the life you've been called to. But it is about engaging in it. And so if that's you, just now between you and God, pray and ask for opportunities. Pray and ask for opportunities for him to give you opportunities to reveal the kingdom in your work, in your family, in your friendship groups, in your home, everywhere. And guys, maybe you're here today and you've been more focused on the kingdom and like the manifestations and the God's rule, God's rule and all the things that happen rather than the king himself. If that's you, I just want to encourage you guys, there's great heart, but I want to encourage you guys, take time just now before God, change your mind, change your thinking and put as the ultimate place his presence, the presence of the king, the presence of the king. Make the pursuit of him your highest priority. Fathers, we look to 2019 before before we go into our next song, God, I just want to pray. Lord, I just want to, Lord, I want to lift up this Acts series to you and all the stuff that's been in it, God. Lord, I pray for all the seeds that have been sown, Lord. And I just pray transformation and life and victory, God. Not because of my words, Lord, but because of your spirit. Lord, let people continue to be impacted by that in years to come. Lord, and I pray for us here now, us as a church, all those who can be here and all those who can't, Lord, that you would work inside our hearts, God, to catapult us forward, Lord, that these won't just be messages, God, but that they would be moments of life transformation, that we would leave this place different from when we entered it, God. Lord, that you would give us the opportunity, God. And Lord, and I just pray for boldness for all of us, God, that we would have boldness to step out, Lord, with you. Boldness, God. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray that we would be an Acts lifestyle church, living that out in our town, in our community, God, in our city, and seeing many people saved, many people coming into the kingdom, many people coming to know you, many people who at the end of this year, God, who don't call you Lord, who don't call you King, by the, by the end of this year, we would, see so, we would see so many people saved, so many people declaring you 
are the mighty one, Jesus. You are the glorious one. In your mighty name, God. Amen. Your Lord, God.